this is what blew my mind about flat track. You would do everything right, and you'd still get your ass kicked by somebody who looked like they gave two shits. Tank Slapping Podcast, episode 21. We're back at it. My co-host, Sammy Sabedra, Sneaky Sam. What's good, dude? How you doing? I'm doing good, man. Uh, I'm a little bummed I didn't get to go to the the all-star race this last weekend, so I've been crying my eyes out over that. But other than that, I'm good. Yeah, I didn't get to go either, man. That's it's pretty far for me to make the trek to, what was it, Terre Haute, Indiana? That's... That's pretty far. I've I played the racetrack quite a bit in the World of Outlaws sprint car game that we've talked about in previous <laughs> podcasts, but I've never got to race race the track itself. It didn't look like that good of a racetrack, to be honest. The videos I've seen, it looked uh, it looked big, but it just looked like a little notch, single file groove, which eh, I guess I've I've done well at those over the years, but. It's just uh, not as fun when you can't blitz it in and blitz it out. But yeah, a lot of guys, a lot of guys were there. I so. saw. Yeah, you know, I um um I have probably about two million laps around that place uh, on that World of Outlaw game. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you know, it's a man, it's a it's a beautiful racetrack. Uh, you know, when you see it, it it's uh you know looks like it's a million miles wide. But it's kind of a a I think you know my my two cents. It's a bummer when you have a kind of a narrow notch groove on such a beautiful wide racetrack like that so i guess i didn't really miss out on too much yeah nah i would have liked to i would have liked to race i don't even know what i did this weekend offhand father's day was yesterday so that was cool i i used to kind of dread father's day after my my dad passed away uh 2010 so father's day was kind of not something i looked forward to for a few years there and then I became a dad, so it, it's it's different now. It was it's definitely cool to kind of experience that that whole deal with uh, with Cruz. But I don't even know what else I did. I got a I got a new bicycle, so I've been mountain biking a bit. Um, that's, that's cool. What, what about I, you, bro? I saw you had a lot going on this weekend. Yeah, well, um, I kind of uh, <laughs> I got my not to talk too much about this kind of junk but i got myself in a jam with my neighbors they own a salon and uh they're like hey could you help us do some work at the salon we're opening you know after corona on monday i was like yeah all right and of course you know no good deed goes unpunished so it turned into like a can of worms man and that's really why i didn't go to indiana because i'm a man of my word and i was trying to do them a solid you know them being my neighbors so uh that's why i was home for the weekend so i tried to make the most of it and uh just did a family day at the beach which uh i guess that's pretty you know all right thing to do every now and then and uh just awful <laughs> yeah you know uh, yeah <laughs> going to the beach with a seven-year-old man sands everywhere you know? <laughs> it's like dude i don't there's still sand in my house i'm like where does this sand come from but you i know. hate the beach dude i hate it yeah, no, my family, they just want to sit outside on the, like, I don't know about you, but like my mom and my family, they wanted to go to, they want to go to the beach and they literally sit out there from eight in the morning till five at night. I'm like, can we do something? This is bullshit. Like we're just sitting here getting burnt. Like I hate, I'm not a, I'm not a fan. Maybe they, I don't do, I don't do the beach like other people, but yeah, I'm not, I'm not a big fan, but anyway, yeah, it was busy weekend for both of us. Just not, not a heck of a lot of motorcycle stuff involved. I rode moto, I guess, half a day, I think Friday, but yeah. Anyway, we're back at the, 
podcast life here. Tonight's guest, I'm pretty excited about. It's Ben Bostrom. If you're not living on Earth and you're in a non-motorcycle racing bubble, Ben Bostrom is the 1993 Flat Track Rookie of the Year, which many people probably didn't know, even people that have, you know, their fans have been. He is, which is, he's more well-known for, the 1998 AMA Superbike Champion, the 2008 Supersport Champion for Graves Yamaha. He raced in MotoGP. He rode World Superbike for a few years where he was very successful. He has seven career wins in World Superbike, I think 17 career podiums. And this is World Superbike, so this is a very competitive series. Won the Daytona 200, won the 2003 AMA Supermoto Championship when Supermoto was thriving. And then he also won the inaugural X Games gold medal in Supermoto. Uh, and if that's not enough for you, he's also big in the fitness, cycling, triathlon. In 2014, he was part of a winning bicycle team that rode across America. And uh, some of the teammates were the late Dave Mira, BMX champion, X Games multi-time gold medalist, Mickey Diamond, Dave Zabriskie. Yeah, Ben's a legend, <laughs> to say it lightly. Him and his brother, Eric, they're legends, and I'm excited to have Ben on the show. The, the whole family's legend. I mean, r- I mean, right down to, you know, uh, Ben's uh, uncle, uh, Paul Bostrom, was national number 46 for uh, for many years during the heyday of the sport in the 70s, and his, and his father, Dave, was, uh, was a national number uh, in, in the late 60s. So, man, these guys, uh, you know, the Bostrom family just has some deep – racing roots and uh and to top that all off like each one is better looking than the next all these guys could be like models it's ridiculous <laughs> <laughs> yep yep no they're they're heavily involved and man just reading off his resume I, I, that's pretty i don't there's not many guys that you can say all that stuff for i mean he flat track rookie of the year superbike champion super champion world superbike winner x games gold medalist supermoto champion and top it off he rode his bicycle across the country and won with uh yeah with with some other legendary riders so yeah it's crazy i'm excited to talk flat track with ben um i've been pals with ben for a while We, we communicate back and forth on social media he actually him and his brother eric when I was younger, I remember them staying at my house uh, with my oh, dad because cool. they all rode the 883 class together. So his brother Eric was an 883 champion, and Ben was rookie of the year. And then they packed up, left the sport, went road racing like many, many riders did back then. I mean, it was, you know, Kenny yeah. Roberts, you know, Wayne Rainey, Nikki Hayden, uh, a lot of those guys just packed up and left. That's when flat track was kind of looking a little bleak. And road racing was uh, the cat's meow, and now it's kind of the opposite, Sammy. Yeah, that was uh, that was definitely the thing to do, man. That was the path you wanted to take at one point in time. And, uh, I mean, as good as it was for those guys, I'm happy to see those tables turn in today's world and, uh, you know, have us retain guys like J.D. Beach and, you know, have guys stay on the dirt, man, because, you know, uh, dirt's where it's at. Yeah. Well, I want to give a shout out to our sponsors to make it all happen for us week in and week out. Bell Power Sports, all three champions from last season in the American Flat Track Series, wore the Bell Race Star Flex helmet. Check out bellhelmets.com to view their full line of products. The quality and safety is unmatched. If you start tank slapping, you want to be protected by Bell. 
Also, a big shout out to Jerry Stinchfield and the whole Roof Systems of Dallas, Texas crew, Commercial and Industrial Roofing Company. Make sure you check them out. CommercialRoofSystems.net. They have nearly 40 years of experience. Big supporters of our sport. If you're in the in the market for commercial roofing, Jerry's the guy to call. So check him out. He's on social media. Easy to find. I can give you his contact info. And then also, Moto America Series back in action this coming weekend at Road America. It is the premier AMA road racing series in the USA, led by 190 mile an hour superbikes. They have 10 race weekends at top tracks like Road America, which was mentioned, Laguna Seca, Indianapolis, and Road Atlanta, to name a few. All day racing with five classes, family fun, kids zones, carnival games, etc. If you can't watch the race, make sure you subscribe to Moto America Live Plus. You can go on the website, subscribe, watch the coverage. It's really good coverage. It's comparable to Fan Choice, but it, it's I think it's better. It's it's really good coverage. It's uh real good camera angles, all kinds of action, uh, commentary, things like that. And then Fox Sports Two will have live Saturday and Sunday Superbike races. And then the Super Sport class will come days after the weekend on MAV-TV, <clears throat> along with Moto America Rewind and Junior Cup class. Check it all out on MotoAmerica.com. Follow their social media channels this weekend. They post tons of highlight clips, videos, things like that. So big thank you to Moto America. Yeah, they're, I'm a big Instagram guy, and their uh, Instagram is is pretty awesome. They're always posting up cool videos, cool stories. So, uh, it, it, you know, if you don't have a long attention, uh, attention span, their Instagram is pretty good. Yeah, so we got a few extra minutes here before we call Ben, but wanted to talk about the Supercross finale. I'm a, I don't know what Tomac. I'm going to do now. Yeah, Tomac. I don't know. Tomac, baby, finally, dude. I was, uh, me and Briar, we're we're Tomac guys. We, uh, you know, Tomac's dad, John, was a world champion mountain bike, world mountain bike champion. He's one of the best mountain bikers to ever come from the United States. So, we're big Tomac guys. I just like, I just like he doesn't. There's no bullshit with Tomac. He just races, goes home. Like, it was kind of funny like he won the championship he didn't even look that excited i'm like i said i said to briar i'm like yeah he's already thinking about getting back to work on monday dude that's just like his mentality but good for him to finally break that break that streak of not winning and grab his first title um but i don't know what i'm gonna do man with no i mean i was watching supercross every three days that was awesome i think they should do that every year like just bang it all out <laughs> like I, it was good it was something to stay tuned and watch during all this pandemic stuff yeah aft fans might be saying the same thing later this year with all these back-to-back races too you know so i think uh this whole corona thing might uh you know gave us uh you know, a new way of doing things. I don't know. Maybe, maybe just saying. And another mention on the Supercross uh, deal is uh, Chad Reed, man. Uh, end of a of a lengthy career, man. Sad to see him go, but happy to, that he was here for so many years. And uh, I seen Jared uh, sent him a, or or made a comment on uh, on social media and uh, about him maybe coming and trying out flat track. And and Reed gave the thumbs up. So that would be pretty cool. Yeah, I know Reed's a a big fan. I mean, he rides he rides quite a bit. I think he goes over to Rossi's ranch and rides. So he's a fan. It'd be cool to get him on get him on some uh, some dirt and slide the bike sideways a little bit. That'd be cool. But yeah, hats off to Chad Reed for man just racing forever. It seems like, like yeah. and he's only thirty eight, but he's 
he's been uh, he's been at it a long time. And also a shout out to uh, Zach Zach Osborne pulling his first win. That was pretty cool to see. Uh, Zach is uh, a really cool guy from what I hear. Shane and Breyer know him. They know him well. They they train together at Allen Baker's and Zach. I when he's done when he's done doing his motos, he comes over and watches Shana ride and Briar for he'll be out there for hours just kind of spectating the flat track stuff asking questions so I've gained a lot of respect for Zach Osborne just because he's a big flat track fan so that that's really cool that's awesome man that is yeah so um are we still waiting on Ben or are we going to talk about some other things uh we got five minutes here we can kind of talk talk a little bit about a couple other things i wanted to mention we've uh had a few races here this spring sammy where i think there's a lot of preparation that can be done with promoting these races in the closeman segment of this podcast i want to talk about some ideas i have for promoters to promote a race during a pandemic you know ways that you can speed up the process ways you can kind of keep everybody safe and and make people more comfortable coming to your event like i did you know most of these guys the promoters like they're cool with everything going on they're they're easy going and relaxed not worried about the virus and getting sick but there's a lot of people that race you know families and grandparents and older people that you know they come to the event they want to come but they're a little thrown off by not knowing what to expect and i did True. a race about a month ago and i was a little thrown off by how too relaxed it was and i think there are some things that promoters right now can do to make, make it safer and, and speed up the program with doing that. The uh, the rider counts have been great lately. I mean, I bet the promoters are saying we need more pandemics because it gets people out of the house and it gets them to the racetrack. But I've done two races now with, with very large rider counts. And you just there's just things you got to look out for and things you got to be ready for when you're pr- promoting a race. It's not easy. I mean, it's, it's, it's a big job to promote an event like that. So um, I take a lot of pride in what we're able to do with the winter throwdown every year, just because I know the struggles that, that guys that come up with events and, and it's tough. So hats off to to them for, you know, going through it. And I feel like I lose a year off my life every time I promote a race and I've done two so far, it's <laughs> you, you leave and I'm, I, it's literally the most exhausting day of my life, uh, promoting a race more than more than anything else. Like it's comparable to a day at Disney world. And if you've gone to Disney world and you've walked around all day and park hopped and all that shit, it's exhausting. And the winter throwdown is comparable to a day well, at Disney. Well, that's what I was going to try to relate it to right now. You know, cause I'm sure there's not that many promoters out there that, it, you know, it's not like everybody's a promoter, but if you have kids, this is the, probably the best way I can explain it. If you, you know, if you have kids, think of all the time and energy it takes to put together a little kid's birthday party and times it by <laughs> 10,000. Yeah. And dude, kids are easier to deal with than half these, half these parents and, and everybody at these races, man, everybody's getting angry. And it's like, for me, I, I, it's, it's, I take a lot of pride also in staying calm at my races. You know, I'm a pretty high strong guy and I'm, I'm like, at my race, man, there's people fighting and the, my, my, my score, my score guy, Robbie Bobby was down, just ready to throw, throw arms. And I'm just like, all right, this is, this is, this is getting bad. So, uh, to, to, to group it back together and to put on a s- successful race is, uh, is, is definitely something cool. And, um, yeah, so it's cool that these guys are promoting these races. A lot of, oh, there's been a lot of races, actually. I feel like flat tracking is the only thing to do right now with all this. Hell, you can't, 
you can't go get a haircut, but you can travel across the country and race a flat track race. So that's, I guess that's saying something about the, uh, the state of our sport right now. It's really growing. Oh, big time, big time. And, and you know, uh, I think, uh, this whole, uh, you know, pandemic, uh, thing is, is kind of taught everybody to, you know, it's given them the time to kind of reflect on the things that's, that are most important in life. And, uh, man, the, you know, I can't speak for everybody, but when I speaking for myself, the two things that matter most to me is it's a photo finish, but it's family and racing, you know? So I'm sure a lot of other people feel that same way. And, uh, that's why we're seeing the numbers that we're seeing. And I hope it, you know, it, it stays this way. Hell yeah, brother. Uh, it's, uh, we'll kind of leave it at that for now. We'll touch upon it later in the show, but Let's give Ben Bostrom a call. Talk Sweet. with talk with Boz, one half of the Boz Bros. Hey, Corey. Hey, Ben. Corey Texter, man. I uh, got my co-host here also, Sammy Sabedra, and I uh, appreciate you coming on the Tank Slapping Show. How you doing? Busted ass to get home here. Like uh, <laughs> professional dad. That's, that is my job now. Holy smokes. And I'll make sure I get in a spot where we're, we got some clear service. So. We were just talking about how insane it is, you know, and, and how busy uh, kids can keep you. It's it's full time. Got it up their Legos. They got some half-finished projects. Okay. All right. All right. I think I'm going to do a... Nick, is this your coffee? I'm taking... I need some. Thank you. All right. Sammy Sabedra. Nice to meet you. <laughs> yeah, nice to meet you too, Ben. Damn. Yeah. We have a lot in right. common already. Just kids. <laughs> yeah. How many you got? Well, I only have one. Thank. I mean, I, well, I'm not, I'm not oh. thankfully, but I have one. Sammy's got one. So I, you have two, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I do. Well, let's kind of we'll start off slow then because you still got a lot going on. But let's talk about how you got started in flat track and what was your first race, and what were the early years like during your career? I know you're, I guess, a Lodi guy. Is that is that where you got started? That's a hundred percent. Trying to think if that's my really my first flat track, but I think I think it kind of is. I think. Wait, no, no, you're not gonna believe it. It goes back more than that. Before I even wanted to be a motorcycle racer, dang. There's a place called Marine County Motorcycle Club. It's the middle of nowhere. You had to be a member. We lived on a ranch with no telephone, no TV. Didn't always have power. We were about maybe five miles from there, and we were members to ride on their place as well. And every once in a while, they'd hold these races. And I remember one night they had a short track, but you know, it was like I'm talking, it was like a field where they like cut the grass down, they made a circle, and they call it the short track race. <laughs> and that was it. Like we hit that, and I was like, man, this is ridiculous. Seriously, I thought it was ridiculous. I, even though I'd seen on a Sunday more than Probably, probably about anybody, really. We had a VHS, and we had a bad copy of a copy of a copy. And I watched that thing over and over again. I could recite every line in there because we didn't have a television. So I knew all about this. Plus, my dad was friends with Mert Lawwell and all my heroes and Malcolm Smith, and I met them all. And when we finally got to race the short track, I'm like, this is nothing like I saw on TV. Because <laughs> you got your little dirt bike out there with front brakes and it's bumpy near the cow field I'm like that's not what i'm used to seeing the only thing that was cool there's like you know there's only a few kids so no matter what you're going to get a trophy but dick mann would donate all his trophies to the club so like our first trophy probably the only trophy that's ever been kept by my brother and i is uh 
that. Like, I never kept trophies. I just called them dust collectors. And the first kid I'd see, I just hand him a trophy and go about my business and grab a beer. And then, you know, I realized Eric and I kept these funny things. And we'd go out for these 70s parties down in Hollywood all the time to go watch polyester play. And sometimes we put the trophy on a chain and hang it around <laughs> our neck. And it was just the top. You know, you'd take it off the wood and it was a motorcycle. But it wasn't lightweight, like, plastic trophy back in the day was maybe uh maybe the 80s they started with plastic i'm talking the 60s these things were cast metal and that was like we were so funny with like our 70s clothes and the dick man trophy but we wouldn't lose the thing you know what i mean we'd hang on to it which was pretty cool so that was probably my first flat track and then then i got out of it and then uh my brother got into it dad convinced him to go hit some races brother said it was kind of fun i was trained because i thought hey i got trained to be tony hawk Four years, just cut motorcycles out, skateboard every day, like 12 hours a day. And then Eric said it was pretty fun. I went hit a race. And it was a little eighth-mile cushion track. And it was kind of fun. I go, man, this, this is way better than the, the Marine County Motorcycle Club had because it was like a legit cushion eighth-mile. And you're just full stick on your 80 all the way around the thing. And that was, then, it, then it got the bug. To be honest, that's how it started. And I'm glad you brought that up. I had these horrific memories last night that somebody brought up for a Father's Day dinner. And they're like, whoa, I haven't thought of that for a while. And I could tell you guys why. Except it was like long-winded from smacking my head at Daytona from the tire blowout. And forgetting the past, they brought something up. And this, I wouldn't have remembered it either if you guys hadn't brought it up. So thanks, man. <laughs> That's cool, How's that man. For a long, long that, that, no, no, man, that's good. I, I remember back in the, you know, the Lodi days. You guys would show up. Your dad had that, uh, that motorhome, man. And a, a lot of people know, obviously, you know, Ben and Eric Bostrom. But what a lot of people may not know is there is more Bostroms racing than just Ben and Eric. They would show up in this motorhome, and it would be loaded to the gills, like it was all gutted out, and it would be full of motorcycles, and like it was. Ben, Eric, uh, your brother Tori, man, uh, your uh, your mom, your mom, uh, your dad, and and your stepmom Tammy. They, I mean, it was like a there was like like a million Bostroms racing, and and then if you guys rode a couple classes, it felt like every time you went to the to the fence to watch, you were watching one of you guys. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, man, that is incredible. Is this Sammy talking? Yeah, dude, good memory. (laughs) <laughs> I'm, I'm impressed like legitimately impressed like you need you knew torsten wasn't torsten was named after torsten holman but we call him tory you knew yeah. Tammy. Like, yeah this is legit yeah i i think about tory all the time I, I got to catch up with eric uh i don't know about a month ago on the phone we talked a couple of times for about uh, pretty close to an hour and we and i was like man how's your brother doing you know because uh well you know hey you guys, you know, uh, everybody knows, you know, Ben and, and Eric, of course. But, man, your your brother, uh, Torsten, man, he was a really good rider. I always thought that. So just something I wanted to tell you. Right on, thanks. And I always wished he raced because there was the Haydens, and I love those kids. And I was like, man, we got a third brother, you know? <laughs> yeah. I thought that would be the, the greatest of these two families that just kind of from the opposite coast, you know? But the characters are the same. Like, dude, we grew up way more redneck than they did, you know? <laughs> we had nothing. We had we, we, it was, we didn't always have water. We'd go up and fix this water pump. You think it would break, you know, and, you know, fire up the generator to get some power. But, like, that was – it just didn't happen. Torsten wasn't into racing, and so he, he just wasn't into it. And then, you know, Eric and I drug his ass out of Modesto, 
he's just up there drinking, doing nothing forever. And uh, drug him down to L.A. About the time that Eric and I are starting to actually make it motorcycle racing, some money's coming in. We're like, look, we'll sponsor you. What do you want to do? And he's like, hair scrambles. And we're like, okay. So we went to Daytona. <laughs> And we built him a 450, and we're like, okay, here's your bike. You're going to ride it. We're going to be your pit guys. And this is funny. This is like the day before we're supposed to go to Daytona. Like, at, <laughs> fortunately, it's in Florida. We got like, I don't know, some Jacksonville, wherever the hair scrambles was then. But tourist in no water. He's got vapor lock. We don't know how to run a camel back. So he rides <laughs> a three-hour thing with no water and that heat and finishes like top 10. And Honda's like, man, there's a, there's a third one. You know, we'll sponsor him. And then we got some gear sponsors to hook him up. And but they said, you know, you got to go down and you're ride like a, we got some 24 hour stuff. We got like the Baja, do some desert races. And then we'll work. And at first he was totally gung ho. And I went from Torsten, like, you should actually train for like six months. And then like, uh, look kind of good when you go out, but he wanted to race right away. So that was, you know, a month after we drug him out of Modesto, he's racing. And that was the craziest thing. Eric and I were pitting from then he was taking off and he, you know, he got victory in the Baja 5,000, second and thousand bike malfunction like he's doing great the 24-hour victory and i was like yeah he's on his way and then boom crickets one day i came home from from europe and i was like where's torsten oh i don't know no one's for a month or so and i haunted called and like where is your brother he didn't show up to the race and i think oh my god there's that torsten just doesn't like racing so that was the end of it he brought his bikes back down to honda and and then back, back to, uh, back to two Bostroms again. It was terrible. Yeah. <laughs> and and well, like he's, he's a plumber now or something, right? Am I, is that right? Or he was a plumber for a while, right? Right. And I, I'm, you know, I don't, I don't even know now. So we, <laughs> we, <laughs> the guy's, he's very, uh, he's kind of eccentric, you know, like he was more talented than Eric and I, but just didn't like racing. Eric and I, like, we, we kind of like racing and then, you know, Eric had much more. Eric was uh, Eric was probably the smarter one of all of us. Like he would actually put time into stuff, and, like study, and do things. Right? I actually graduated too, which is pretty <laughs> phenomenal for Bostrom, and uh, maybe the first one. Dang, yeah, probably the first one. So, but I'll tell you, Torsten just had a big gift, and like I, I probably had some talent, and so I would work less. Right? Torsten didn't work at all. Eric worked. Eric worked pretty hard, and then everything he got came to him from like from working hard. I, so it's like, it's kind of weird how you see things go and you, it kind of made you understand like you got a, a little bit of the work now, you know, play later, play now, work later kind of mentality. But like Torsten just didn't love it. He didn't love it. And so he started this thing where he'd go build the plumbing for wineries and man, he was kind of amazing. And it finally took one of the, the winery owners to realize, man, the, whoever did this, copper pipe is beautiful right because everything runs and it's parallel and the, even the bends are perfect and they all you know they all run sequence and and uh he glass walled one of them in because he's like keep that out because it's because it's phenomenal most like plumbers are pretty sloppy you know it's just like yeah. glue and shit everywhere <laughs> and, like, you know, and then you know the, the pipes definitely don't match that's for one thing like you know that one's running one direction but they both get there and so, but Torsten's would always like, that's how he built RC cars and strange things. And he was a kid and he kept that. And I don't know. Then, you know, we tried to, we tried to change him again. We tried to bring him back down to SoCal at one point and he seemed all good and then fell apart again. So he's kind of recluse. He's, he's, he's got his own way. Everyone, everyone's different. <laughs> yeah. Well, we, we got you guys. You, you and your yeah, brother. Yeah. Geez, yeah. So you're stuck with, you stick with us. Yeah. That's it. Well, I'm going to, dude, come on. Watching dad, like 60, 
what, what, how old were they? 60, 60, maybe 60, 65 years old racing the San Jose mile. That's what I was kind of laughing about later on in my life. Like watching dad who's 80 now. Right. And <laughs> it, it's, it, it's unbelievable. That's why I go, man, flat track like, is so, so damn dangerous. But at the same time, you could race it for so long. You guys want to, like, this is what, this is what blow my mind about flat track. This is what I loved about that sport. You would do everything right. And you'd still get your ass kicked by somebody who looked like they gave two shits about what they'd do. You know, you'd be driving to the track with Springer and, you know, him and Joe would be smoking weed and hanging out. And then they get there and you're like, you know, I just know they're going to like basically like win the main event and I'm not even going to make it to the main event. And it's just, it's, it's the mentality. That's what, it's so strange that the guys would just, the attitude was perfect. My favorite story was Springer. I was so lucky to be his teammate for a while there. Bartels like, we're sitting there on the starting line. I was watching him, and I'm nervous, you know, and he's just staring at something. And I was trying to, what is he? Man, he's really focused, you know, and he's got his shield up, and he's sitting there and probably pooping next to him, probably taking a couple of drags off a cigarette. And, <laughs> yeah, man, I, should I be more focused? Like, I don't know what he's staring at, but, like, I'm I'm just sitting here like Humpty Dumpty on my bike like an idiot. And, you know, he, you see him, bunk, bunk, gives me the elbow, and he goes, Bostrom check out the jaws on that. And I was like, what the hell is he looking at? Well, the starter girl's out there and she's got her, she's got some tight pants on. And I thought, you gotta be kidding me here. I thought the whole time he's pretty focused, getting ready for this thing before the three minute board. Right? No, 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 no. That's what, that's what he did. And for sure he went out there and like, and just kicked my ass anyway. So like, it, it it's pretty cool. Like those guys are kind of just legends. dude. That's why I still run like the, the, you know, I still got the pork chops and stuff like that. And it was like, you kind of missed your era. And I was like, I know, like, dude, the old racers, dude, the Barry Sheens, the Elvis Presley's, you, like, those are the guys, well, dude. I mean, you talk about that. Like, what at what point did you just, just know that you were going to go the, the pavement route? I mean, you, you did your rookie year. You won rookie of the year. I think it was 1993. And and then you kind of packed up and went road racing. So uh, what was that decision like? And when did you know that was kind of the way your career was going to go? You know, oddly enough, I was, I was getting my ass handed to me left and right. And, uh, the only time that we had a shot at victory, the bike broke. Right. And that was it because it was a TT race. And I was like, Oh, you got to beat Chris Carr. He's never been beat, but you know, we can go hand it to him on motocross bikes. So everyone just thinks you're gonna be great. And I'm like, dude, it's the, the equipment means something. Right. And we had this banana swing arm night frame. And I remember flying to the air Peoria going, this thing doesn't fly straight. You know, it's, it sounds like Scarface. You know what a pig is? <laughs> you know, I say a pig that doesn't fly straight. That was that bike. And I was like, oh, my goodness. Good thing we got a good thing we got the whole shot because we're, we're, we hang on to the lead for 12 laps, right? And then the bike starts actually punching a valve through the thing. So, boop, boop, boop. It's getting slower. We get past a couple times and then just grenades, right? And that's the end of my race. And I thought, man, that's as close to victory as we're ever going to get at any of these races. And I was with Eddie Atkins, and we'd stay back there. And I had Tony Gutierrez and Aztec Racing. They're a great bunch of guys. We had Monty Miller sponsoring us, and he used to work for Joe Leonard. So we got every great story from the past and how to, like, sleep with women and sprinkle some gas on yourself. So when you went back to your girlfriend, she, you said you had car trouble and shit. Yeah, you had car trouble. You smell like gasoline, right? Like, you know, you learned everything. There was no perfume smell. And so these guys were the best. And then and Roger Ream would always get a kind of a kick out of it. And uh, I'll tell you, like, one day Eddie goes, Ben, I'm, I want to tell you something. I've been timing in the corners this year. You're fast as shit. 
you, some of these corners as fast as Ricky Graham. He goes, you're good. Now, I got to tell you, I've been timing you down the straightaways too. And he goes, and I don't think it's you not getting on the throttle right now. So he goes, God damn it, I love Tony to death. <laughs> that bike's never gonna make make it to the main event unless you do something amazing. I was just like it was the it was just the weirdest thing to have him pull me aside and he goes, And don't you let Tony No, I told you that. And I was like Thanks. Like that was the weirdest thing to me and it just hit me like shit. When I was a kid, I remember watching that like a little bit of road racing, you know, Kenny Roberts and and we you know, we go hang out at his house a little bit and I thought one day, dude, one day, but there's no chance. Like that sport's so expensive, right? You can't even go flat tracking. Would be, you know, turning the tire around like six times, try to keep reusing the same rubber. And like Harley came up with this thing, you know, hey, you could race an 883 and put some clip-ons on it. And that saved so many of us. I wish there was a, some something in the sport that had the same gift to these kids because most of the Harley dealers back then had cash. So they were like, look, We'll give you bikes and parts. Just go win some money and be able to pay your entry fees and pay for some gas. And sometimes they give you a damn gas card. Remember Bartels would give us gas cards, and I thought, wow, we've made it. We're rich. <laughs> you finished the year with like a thousand bucks in your bank account. You had your, and that was those are the best days. It was fantastic. The the only thing I remember was Roger Riemann getting upset at one point and trying to help me out. And I thought this was amazing because we'd we'd run at the front sometimes on these 883s because they really just required corner speed, right? And uh, my bike would always get, like, wet sump and slow down, and I'd finish in the damn back in last place or something. But he goes, Ben, look, when you think your bike's fast, we're going to go out on this road. Now, we're going to do, like, a fifth gear roll-on at this sign, and we'll just see how your bike is. And I was like, all right. And he goes, he goes I'd like to see you win the Springfield mile. And I thought that was the coolest shit ever because we'd won it as a junior. But, you know, like that's a that's a big corner speed play. So he would take time off work to ride his bike. Now, he had a fast 883, and he'd ride over there. And he goes, when you can beat me, when you can beat me or my bike, you got a chance at winning. Well, we never beat his bike, but we got the – Tony got the thing pretty close, you know. And I was like, man, we start that race. We're up front. And I'm like, this is the best thing ever. Like, it's actually – you feel you feel like you might actually have a shot. You know, and like you never had a shot. And then things wet sump slowed down. I was back in the back again. But, uh, like, you know, that was, like, the coolest thing. I never thought Roger liked me at first. You know, because I was a punk kid, didn't have any manners. Like, didn't know the hell I was doing. Didn't know to, like, wipe my, you know, if he shaved, you know, he wouldn't wipe all the hair out of the sink. And, like, you know, the, the bullshit you don't learn when you're a kid, you kind of grow into after they smack you a few times. And uh, eventually, you know, I'd become, like, really love Roger Riemann. And, like, the respect for what he had taught me, because he would just – he just nailed my ass. You know, I'm going to go clean up the shop. And I was uh, piling boxes one day and at the bottom of those boxes and the shit that didn't look like it had moved for 20 years, Evil Knievel's bike. I said, Roger, is that his real bike? He's like, yeah, yeah. I used to, used to build his bikes. Why? I go, it's under all this trash. He's like, yep. Dude, he thought nothing of it. I thought that's Evil Knievel's Harley Davidson. Covered me lucky with a $100 bill painted right into the gas tank. You know, it's funny what people, how, how people change, but like, that's, that's actually what that whole story is what got me into road racing. As soon as I got a chance to ride like a little faster, 883, shit, Corral is there. Yep. You know, yeah. that, that's, 
that's really cool. I mean, I mean, that's that's an amazing story. Uh, but you know, it's kind of weird, you know, because I mean, you had like a 750 ride with you know Ventura, Harley Davidson, Tony Guterres, and you think like, oh man, I was like, oh Ben's got a good ride, and and then you know, I mean, a 750 ride compared to an 883 ride is kind of like a step aside or back. But I mean, it seems like the 883s are really were the catalyst that launched your road race career. And then next thing you know, uh, you're, you're, you know, an AMA superbike guy. And, and then there I am sitting in the grandstands at uh, Laguna Seca. And I think it was 1999. And here you are, I think you're a wild card rider and you win the world superbike race, which man, you lit that place up when that happened. And, and for all the young people listening, I mean, World <laughs> Superbike was a big deal then, man. It was a huge, huge deal. Not taking anything away from what it is now, but, I mean, at that time, World Superbike was legit. It was stacked. It was heavy. And then here comes Ben as a wild card rider, and you and you win the thing. I mean, I just remember that place was electric after that. And that was a, that was a really neat, you know, special moment to, to experience as a fan. So I, I, I've always kind of wanted to ask you, what was that like for you? How does that win stack up to any of your other wins? That one, I mean, I didn't think much of it. And I'll tell you why. Damn I felt like I had to win. Like Jill, Jill would give me like 80 tickets. Cause she knew like, you know, you're just starting to make money. Like you have like all these friends that want to go, but they won't go because they're not going to pay, right? And so yeah. she'd give us Eric and I like 80 tickets to give to all our family and like friends that didn't. Were, they were not going to pay, right? So and so they, and then they went. It was the cool stamp. Man, we do we got to kick ass for her because she was so she was just so good to us. And the weird thing is, I showed up there. The probably the most fun I've ever had riding my 883 was there, and it brought back these great memories every time i'd race there and it was it was raining i had my bartels bike and i thought man let's just put some big bars on it we put the flat track back bars back on it foot down just sliding into every corner and i thought man at least this thing's pretty fun to ride it's like a giant tt track and we, you know <laughs> at least i didn't think much of it except after that we set pole and i'm like wow i'm actually on pole that's crazy and then Geraldo Farachi and these people, Muzzy, they're coming to me like, would you like a ride next year? And I was thinking, dude, I'm just, I suck. I don't, you know, like that was wet, bars, you know, like, but that memory, like having so much fun for that 20-minute qualifying session always stayed. And then when we got, we got this dang, uh, this Honda ride in 98, Honda had to give us this ride because we had signed up. Instead of like picking Muzz, Yosh or anything like that, we – I picked Honda. And what happened is they said, you know, we don't have a ride for you. You got to wait two years, obviously, because the other riders are under contract. But 98, you have a guaranteed super bike ride. And I was like, fantastic. But in 97, they gave me a bike to ride. And we were racing. We were racing for first. First ever super bike ride. We were on the front row. And I thought, man, this feels like my, feels like my Harley again. And then Aladdin smashes into my shifter. My bike gets stuck in third gear. And we finished fifth place in third gear for the race. And I was like, this, this isn't that hard. You know, when you're a cocky little kid, you're like, this isn't even that hard. Wait till I get back <laughs> on those things. And I rode that shitty 600 the rest of the year. But when we got back on the thing for 98, like I went there. And do you remember Merlin Plumley? Yeah. What a, what a great human that dude was, right? And so I'm kind of, I'm still like a stupid kid. I'm motocross and breaking my ankle. And I'm getting like fourth, fifth, and like I'm trying to ride injured. And we show up to that race, and he goes, uh, 
just have fun, Ben. This doesn't mean anything. We're here as a wild car. It's 98. You're a rookie. He's like, just have fun. And, you know, we raced for second place, and they canceled the race. In the first race, we probably got second. In the second race, we got third behind maybe, I don't know who it was, maybe Haga and somebody else. And the other factory Hondas were back there in, like, 13th or 14th. And I just never forget this. Merlin walks up to the podium, and he goes, Master, you have arrived. And I thought, well, shit, that's just like a one-off, like, lucky deal, dude. We made podium World Superbike. And, but it was the next year that I said, I told the team, this is so funny, over at Vance and Hines, I'm like, we ought to win both of these. Because, you know what I mean? Like, how hard can it be if we got third on that thing? <laughs> and RC45 <laughs> didn't really like its way around that track. And so the, uh, the mistake I made was over-gearing the bike, being cocky that I was going to get a good start. I got a terrible start. Couldn't pass anybody with a high gear. And the next, on the second race, we low-geared the bike, and, like, we were just, I think it was pulling as easy. And so it didn't feel, you know when something doesn't feel, like, amazing? I'll tell you, third felt amazing. That was a win. The year before, fantastic. Felt like I won the race. Yeah, dude. The, hearing these stories is epic. I mean, I know, I, I know you guys <laughs> rode with my dad a bit when uh, he was doing the 883 series, and I was young, really young. But you guys stayed, you guys stayed at my house a few times, and um, yeah. So I just thought that was really cool. I always followed your guys' career just because I had that connection a little bit from when you guys kind of stayed out here for a, a couple times, I guess it was, but, um, do you Randy remember those days awesome. at all? He just opened the doors for you. Dude, of course. <laughs> Randy's opened the doors for us. And I thought, man, who does this? Not only are his competition, we're not sponsored by him. And he'd be like, you know, you got the shop, you know, come and work on whatever you want. So you don't have to like spend the gas money to drive all the way back to Illinois. And dude, your dad was legend. And it, and we, we're always so thankful. I mean, it was crushing when he passed, dude. I'm sorry. But it, but it was to have guys like that to race against and those memories, how lucky were we? I mean, it's, yeah. that's why I, I like hearing that stuff. That's I, that's really cool. It It's cool to hear, yeah, like the guys you mentioned just casually, like in your in your stories, it's like, man, those, those guys are my heroes growing up. So that's that that's really I cool. And, 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 and you grew up racing, Eric. You know, you guys – you guys are brothers, you know, I, I've raced Shayna my whole life, you know, off and on, and, and, and you've raced Eric, and for me and Shayna, it's it's a little bit of a rivalry, like, we obviously want to beat one another, but for you and, and Eric, was it more rivalry, or were you guys more kind of shake-and-bake teammates, or, you know, how, how did that relationship go throughout your careers? Um, something we don't get to talk about much, you know, racing at the high Brandy, level. The same as you. <laughs> Dude, it's the same. Like, you start off, like, you're like, you you never try hard in your life as you did for like uh for free racing each other in your field like dude that was to the death right you felt oh, yeah. like you thought you were racing for a million dollars right and that, no different than you and Shane like that's and man when you got beat dude it burned inside like it was incredible and you thought and at some point what happens in racing is you you really want to you know your the fire is there to beat each other and then you start cheering each other on you right and then you're like if there's anyone that's going to beat me it's going to be my sibling. And then when you're not on the same team, you're, you're, you're more nervous watching them race than you by far. Right. You're like, Oh, I hope nothing 100%. happens. Cheering them on. And it's, it's the gnarliest feeling inside your heart's kind of floating. And it's, it's just weird. Like you get that sensation. I, this is what I always remember. Like I get that when I watch Eric, I would, 
I would be <laughs> somewhere in the world trying to like follow it on the internet and there'd be the race going on. Like I could see the battle at the front with like, you know, some of your friends and I was like, man, it's so it's gnarly. And you're like, it's Nick and that's Eric or it's Matt or it's whoever. It's like, they're going back and forth and you know, and I, I can't watch it, but I, but I could feel it like it's intense and you know, like at this time difference and that you understood it. And the, here's what hit home. I was racing X games for fun and Eric's girlfriend at the time goes, Ben, he was yelling at the television. Like he's some kind of like, you know, like people would do when they watch football or any sports, they're yelling, throwing popcorn at the TV. Dude, I never watched any sports. So I never, I didn't have a TV, but like, and she goes, he was yelling. He looked like my dad cheering on like a football match. You would have thought like it was <laughs> for the world championship. And I go, this is just the X Games thing. But then I thought, wow, he really cares. You know, and that's when you, that's when it hit really sinks in. Like you're, they're your they're your, they're your best friend. That that that's that's really cool, man. I mean, uh, I, I you know I, I never really got to experience that with my brother. My brother's quite a bit older than me, so you know my my personal, you know, like you and Eric racing together or, or Corey and Shane. I never got to experience that, so I, I can only imagine what that's like, you know. But um, you know, so I, I think you know that, that's pretty cool. I. I that you guys got to to travel together and you know being a, like dirt trackers man you know it's like i, I think of a guy like you we, we travel around going to races and vans and all this and and i know you traveled around going to races and vans and sleeping in vans and doing all that but then you also got to experience the world and and all these world class uh erasers and be around that i mean what, what was it like to go from traveling around the United States in a van and staying over people's houses to, to flying around the world to race a motorcycle. <laughs> it, it, it's the same. It's, uh, it's the same traveling circus, just on a bigger scale, right? Like we had it, we had it so good racing dirt track. You know, if you get a four to six pack of beer, you shared that beer, right? Like you were yeah. cool. Like it, and you know, you, there just wasn't enough money in to get really pissed at anybody. Like that guy needs a tire. Did you loan him a tire? He'll get you back at some point in the year, you know? And it's, you know, and you get your box van, everybody loads up, and you, like, follow each other, and you sleep at rest stops, and, like, if one guy can't be buy the meal, you know, you buy his meal. And it, it is, I mean, it's it's amazing. Like, it, that was, those were some of the best years of my life. And then you you start traveling around the world, and it's so ridiculous because now you're, you're, like, forced to fly, like, first class, and this, that, and the other. And half times I give the seats to, like, my mechanics or somebody else who look tired. And I, and I go back and hang out because I – you're still the same traveling circus, you know, like, and then we'd show up there, did all the races would fly in from whatever part of the world they're from. Cause they're all the different nationalities, but like he's flying there and everyone's stuck, kind of stoked to see each other again. Cause world Superbike back then was neat. It was stacked. You had like, uh, most of the lap times, or at least half of them were beating all the GP bikes. Right. And the, and our bikes back then, they were the same price. So they, dude, we always wanted to race those guys. So we kind of virtually race them on track. So we were kind of pulling for each other. That's which is, same thing any of us would do like you know we we were them and they were them and you didn't didn't, didn't really mix well because it's it hard for them to ride a super bike and it was hard for us to ride their bike so like you had so much respect for each other's talent level but when you get there you'd you drink beer and hang out and then thursday night you'd like you know keep your act together and then sunday night we'd throw a huge party again remember my bus over there you pop the bays open and it was just a giant karaoke machine with a smoke the disco balls, and we'd, we'd we'd have fun, and we'd drink until seven, eight in the morning. And then, of course, in Australia, we'd drink about nine or ten in the morning. You know, and then, <laughs> you know, you recover for a couple of days, and we'd drive to the next one. You know, if we could, or we had to, or you know, 
or we park the bus and go fly somewhere. It was, it's the same. It's just a bigger scale, but no, nothing's any different. I guess. Yeah. That's awesome. Same, I like traveling that. circus. <laughs> that's really do you, cool. uh, I got one question for you. And then we got uh, our last segment. We ask, we, uh, we do every, every episode, but do you follow the uh, American flat track series right now? And are there any riders that you enjoy watching or anybody that kind of you can relate to maybe out there? Now, now this is disappointing as hell. You guys are going to be like, what the hell, Ben? I'm a dad. There's no chance to watch TV. I was like, wow, did you watch that latest series or that race or this? Are you kidding me? Dude, if there was a show on, it was the kids' show. And for one, I don't. I still don't watch TV because I didn't grow up with it. So, like, for me, I catch it online because I follow social media, you know? And so you see these you see these fast kids that are unbelievable now racing and they get – and uh it's the only time you really get to try to follow it. Like they have that super prestige. And I'm like, man, I really hope one of our Americans wins, you know, cause you kind of pull, always pull for your nationality, but I don't get to follow it very much. I get to follow you and Shayna. Cause I follow you guys. I, you know, I watch social media. I'm like, dude, it's, it's kind of fun. You get to live, live through you guys. But now, now I'm just old, you know, but like you still get to kind of, kind of live it. And it's, it's kind of cool. Cause you go, man, I wish, you know, you always wish you can like uh, start over and do it again. You know, like, relive it again you and you can't you had you had one fun shot at it you had to take it and you uh enjoyed the heck out of it and then you know you torse gets patched so like i i just don't get to watch it very much i haven't seen one i mean i've probably saw one race last year it was and it was epic i was like man i'm so glad i don't have to race these guys they look hell of a lot faster than us so it's, but it's, it's cool well, you you mentioned the uh, when you were talking about Springer and uh, Pooby smoking a cigarette. I was thinking, man, things have changed. I mean, like there's there's three or four <laughs> flat trackers now that are you know they're on Alvin Baker's program, and it's just like the amount of training. And I you know I'm I'm I like bicycling, and I I follow a lot of your endeavors with that and and cycling and things like that. So it's kind of crazy how things come full circle and. Just back then, like you would never see Springer like on a on a pedal bike or anything like that. You know, it just it was just different. It, yeah, it's it's just crazy to hear. It hear was those different, people. right? <laughs> yeah. I don't know if it was like, I, and I wonder what would happen if that. You know, now here I'll give you a quick quick rundown of what happened to me once. Anthony Gobert's in America. He wants to stay with me. He wants to go train on motocross bikes and hang out. And, you know, we'd go play with, you know, we ride with fast guys. You got Reedy McGrath and our boys would go play. And then, dude, like Eric and I are pretty slack and we got to the discos and like, you know, and Gilbert, then he would just go off the deep end, like drinking and drugs. Now, one day he just decides he's going to change. Man, let's go. Let's start hitting the gym. He motivates us. Now we're in the gym. Dude, I'm talking three days a week. He buys a weight belt. He's stopping drinking. He's he, like, dude, he goes, I'm going to get a six pack. The guy went from like, looked like he had ate a small kid to like six pack coming <laughs> and, it, and he had it. And I was like, wow, legit. He was also slower than shit that wrecked him. Right now. The weird part is he goes back to drinking his usual life, skipping practice. And he's, and he's Anthony Gofford again. So it's, it's so much of racing in motorsports is your mood, your mentality. And when you have, when you stack a lot on your plate, you know, a lot of these new kids, it's, it's incredible to follow like you just said with the flat track, but I don't care if it's Supercross or MotoGP these days or anything. Like, it, you know, they got this, you see the ones with the mentality and like the Rossi days are kind of, they're folding because those are the like fun days. You know, those, the, the new kids are more programmed and they, but they, they make it work. And if you can't make it work, you got to go back and do something that makes it, make it, make it fun. You know, 
the only time I've really noticed that I've tried so hard to keep this, this all this Philip Morris money because I wanted to, we're trying to get the Philip Morris money for the Marlboro contract for Ducati. And they're like, Ben, please, you know, the president's here again. You won last year at this race. Can you, can you show up and do it again? And I'm like, yeah, of course. So I went, I running for a couple of weeks. I'm getting all lightweight. Dude, I sucked. Like I know I was like dead tired. I barely got sixth place. I was, I was exhausted. And I was thinking, man, I could have, look at the lap times slower than shit. Like, and so like, I you just needed to go back to being yourself, you know, you got to relax. So if the kids can just realize these days, sometimes less is more, you're a motorsports athlete. You want to keep your hormone levels pretty high, more sleep, more fun. Look, you're already out there. You're going to go a hundred percent on the weekend. So you got five days to recover. So you do light workout in between because it's a hundred percent on the weekend. If you think you can do that like three days a week, yeah, you probably can when you're like 18, but not, not, not 28, you know, like you gotta, you gotta fight your battles, pick your battles. And then you, I mean, you can probably race until you're 40. That's yeah, the famous yeah. approach. I mean, it worked. <laughs> and, and the Jay Springsteen approach too, I guess, for that matter, Jay, Jay raced till. Oh, hell and, yeah. 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 I mean, you gotta do you, man. You gotta figure out, you know, that's the thing with racing, you know, uh, you know, is, uh, you know, just, just because something works for one guy, that doesn't mean it's going to work for the next guy. You just got to find uh, what works best for you, I guess, and, and go for it. Yeah, find you. That's how these guys, when they go, oh, man, you know that athlete's so, he's so hot and cold, but this guy seems to go gold medal, gold medal, gold medal. Dude, he probably wrote down what made him good, and he just does it again, <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's, no, I've I've gone hard. through it, too. Like, I've, I've tried to get more serious. Like, even last season, I was trying to – listen to music before I race and just get in the zone. And yeah, I, 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 I it, it didn't work for me. I, I wrote, I rode worse. Like if, if I'm loose and having fun, and it's crazy. Like hearing you say that I was, I was nodding my head the whole time in agreement. Like some guys just, they can't train every day because it just wears them out and it doesn't work for them. So that's uh, and that's awesome. always problem with the album thing. Like you can't, Alden's got a great program, right? Dude, he puts together a fantastic program. So whatever he says, do half and make it fun. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's, I mean, that's what that's, but it's hard because when you're young, you think, man, I, that, you know, he's got some champions. Over. I got to do the same thing. The yeah. odd thing, I was lucky when I first went over to the world Superbike. I was friends, you know, Ringo was like, Hey, you got to meet Paolo Maldini. He's kind of a Superbike fan. He likes you. So we went out to dinner and we had this long talk and he's like, man, what do you do before the races? And I'm like, well, I'm pretty focused, you know, and I was not, I was fresh over there, so I was new and kind of scared. And I was like, you know, I go for a run the day before, and then I, you know, and I, I do this, and I do that. And he's like, you know, maybe you should think about uh, just having sex with some, some girl the night before. There's lots of them over here. I said, are you serious? He's like, oh, yeah, I usually, you know, he's going, I, he goes, I'm married. So, you know, before the match, the morning of the match, like, I always have sex with my wife. <laughs> you know, just to take my mind off. So I'm kind of go out there on the field, and I have best days I've ever played soccer. And he's captain, right? He's like the most famous guy. So he's I was like, wow, really? And that advice I took, and, you know, and I was like, okay, I'm gotten drinking and like, uh, whatever randomness you find, <laughs> go have fun. And man, the results showed like that. That's kind of weird how it works. You guys <laughs> remember Dan, Dan Stanley. We call him Stan oh, yeah. Stanley. Oh, from, yeah. Uh, yeah. Right? Yeah. He was awesome. Washington. Yeah. I'll, I'll never forget this. Now this is when, when Paolo Maldini said it, I was like, this hit home. We're getting ready to start. I think it was, it was qualifying or something. But and uh, Dan comes back. He's got this big grin. He's like, "Man, did you, did you see that girl? I was kind of hanging after me there." I was like, "Yeah." He goes, "I just got the best BJ from her." I was like, "Dude, we're 
we're, we're literally lining up. He's like, I know, I just got it. Dude, he sat pole position. And I'll never <laughs> Dude, I've been that. there. He, really, he was so funny. And I thought, wow, he said, well, I go Castle Rock, maybe home track. But, dude, he was just great. Dude, you're loose. And qualifying. You ride loose then. <laughs> he was. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, oh, man, man, that's so cool. Yeah, he was it a funny works. dude. Oh, you want to hear the to... worst part about that? There's a chance that that was my girlfriend that did that at the time. <laughs> I swear. Front I swear, man. <laughs> Donald Paul, man. He was a uh, national number 96, Donald Paul. And his girl, I, I his little, yeah, yeah, his little sister, Christina, she, she was a couple years older than me, man. She was my girlfriend. And uh, I, we met like back in Sturgis and she became my girlfriend. I was flying up to Washington and stuff. And then come yeah. to find out, man, she did that with Dan Stanley. What the hell? Dan Stanley? <laughs> <laughs> and oh now here God. it is. I'm hearing this story like 25 years later. I'm crying, man. Thanks, thanks for the memories, man. <laughs> yeah, dude, those are the best. I'm, I'm just glad I got a few left. Smack your head enough time, you know, you'd think they've been knocked out of you, but they're still there. That's awesome. Well, that's a good transition to our last segment. It's called the higher low line. And we're going to ask you like this or that and pick one or the other and give us a, a brief explanation. But what would you rather race a superbike or a 600? Oh, superbike. You know why the, uh, the 600 is fantastic, but you can ride that thing to nearly 100% and you'll never be able to do that on a superbike. The okay. bike's always better than you. That's cool. Like, All right, I, I got a I got a a question, man. This is this is uh might put you on uh, on the spot. Uh, Steve right. McQueen, Steve McQueen, or Evil Knievel? Yeah, I'm Steve McQueen, dude. That's that's my idol, you know. I got I have a bunch of evil stuff, but I got a bunch of Steve McQueen things as well. Evil, you know the great, you know when you brought up that '99 win, I was wearing his helmet. Right, and I was a fan. Yeah. That's why I was trying to tell you. Roger Reeman had his bike there, and I would have died for us drooling over this thing. He's like, "Oh, it's just trash," you know. But like, I got this. Back then, it was Cycle News. Do you remember the big Cycle News? It was like twice the size of any other magazine. Oh yeah. And it just yeah. Had, you know something like Bostrom wins or some some BS like that. And I'm standing up. I got this American flag, Evil Knievel helmet, and I get this thing in the mail, and it's Evil Knievel. Hey, thanks for being a fan. Your friend, Evil Knievel. That's badass. And I thought, wow, that's that really badass, cool. right? So like, I don't keep much, but I, I remember keep. I kept that. I don't know where it's at. Probably at the ranch somewhere. But like, dude. But I, always Steve McQueen, because he was like the king of cool. Without that guy, there'd be probably no on any Sunday, because he funded it. Without on any Sunday, man, the motorcycle industry definitely wouldn't have grown to what it did. And my brother always said we were lucky enough to race in the golden era, and he, he's probably right. But you got to thank guys like that to kind of pave the way and just like they, they made it cool. They made motorcycles cool. And it still kind of resonates now, you know? Yeah. That's awesome. Um, I like I got another on one that, for man. you. I like your take on that. Fast. Who's faster on dirt? You or Eric? Oh, it's got to be Eric. You know, I got my day, right? Every once in a while, oddly enough, I went flat track with Eric and Dad last year. And I think I had a better bike than him. So I show up and Eric's like, Ben, you just show up fast like that. You haven't been on a bike in 20 years. I'm like, well, you know, but for sure my bike was better. But normally Eric, Eric would put the work in. He just like fine tune the bike. And that's why he's champion. And I'm not, he was great. All right. 
Uh, I got another uh, high-low line for you. Favorite TT, Peoria TT or Castle Rock TT? Man, I always hated Peoria. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. I totally did. You did pretty good there, though, didn't you? Didn't you do pretty good there? Yeah, you know, it was kind of funny about that place. They're a junior, and they said, uh, Ben, you're, you're, you're qualified for the camel challenge. You can race it if you want. And I was like, well, shit, there's some money. And they said, last place gets 1000 bucks." I'm like, you bet your ass I'll race that. Tires are only 100 bucks, right? But, dude, that's a win. I'm going to be up $900. So <laughs> I raced, and then I realized, man, we're, we're kind of coming through the guys. Last lap, when I was my hero was Ricky Graham. I thought, man, I really need that money. They said it's three grand for third place, and I need that third place. I remember about running his ass off the off the track on the last lap, heading heading towards that jump. And all I thought when I go flying through the air is, man, I hope I didn't just wreck my hero. That, can you imagine <laughs> that was my thought process? And when we got third, and we we're up on the podium. Now we're on the podium. I don't know how to dismantle the, the champagne. So I'm looking at this thing, and I'm untying it, and someone's already shaking the shit out of it. And that thing, when that when I untie that wire, that thing just explodes. Whack, right in the face of the cork. It, I got champagne. I dropped the bottle. It shatters. And I was like, well, kind of mortified. I, go, I was like, oh, my God, this is my big moment, and I look like an idiot. And then, <laughs> and unfortunately, we got, we got a second chance at it. We got to go win the junior race and, and kind of get another shot at that champagne. But, damn, that place is horrible. I'd take Castle Rock all day long. You know, I got to tell you a funny Castle Rock story real quick. That damn place, because of Dan Stanley. Stan yeah, I was going to say, it doesn't involve Dan Stanley, yeah. does it? <laughs> right. No. But, like, you know, like the next year, it's the Grand National. I'm sitting on pole position. And I'm like, okay, cool. We all fire up our bikes, and I'm all stoked because it's a TT race. I'm like, I'm, I'm going to win this son of a bitch. It's my turn to win. And we all fire up our bikes. Rum, rum, rum. We're revving them up. We're waiting for the start. And this fog layer comes around, and it won't go away. So they cancel the race. And I thought, you got to be kidding me. My chance, my chance is gone. As it turns out, because of the humidity, when we fired up all those engines, it brought this little fog ring inside the track that wouldn't go away. So they had to cancel the race, dude. That's I can't even make that up. I know. They didn't bring you back the next day or? Yeah, the next day it was like hot, sunny, and dry. And I got my butt kicked. Yeah, I don't know. I probably got, maybe I got fifth. But the night before, like, my bike was tuned. And Eric always said, Ben, if the track's, like, asphalt, you're the guy. Because you, you, you have, like, no throttle control. You're just full whiskey throttle. Like, that's, why I like, that's the way I like to ride it. But, you know, like, that's why the road race worked. <laughs> where, the, where Eric was real fine-tuned. He'd ride a slick track like, uh, like pea gravel. You know, Pegram, like, dude, how many times did he win that damn Hagerstown, that ice rink? Remember that? Oh, yeah. He's, he's a good many, slick, like, slick this guy. This guy, right? This guy loves that stuff. So I'm golfing the other day in this tournament. We've had like about a, about about 10 too many. And the, I don't know how it, what somebody says about a motorcycle and our caddy, this is at this exclusive club here in Vegas, goes, yeah, I know a motorcycle racer. And we're like, oh, yeah, who? And, you know, usually it's like some Joe Blow. He, he did some, like, amateur motocross. And, like, and, they, and he talked himself up like he was a pro racer. So we're kind of expecting whatever out of this, this caddy. He goes, yeah, his name's uh, Larry Pegger. <laughs> we're like, what? We're like, shut the front door. We had to put down our peace pipe and be like, put him on the phone call. Boom, <laughs> FaceTime him, and Larry picks it up, which was great because he's growing weed in the background. And I thought, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 
small world, right? That's this guy's a guy. You know, I used to yeah. live back there, and that was the that's one of the guys I knew. That's He's funny. Still at it, man. Yeah, it's crazy. It was great. Yeah. Well, <laughs> dude, we appreciate small. you coming on the show. I know you're bi- you're super busy. You're a dad, and you just we we're reading off your all your accomplishments before we before we called you on. I was like, oh shit, dude. He's 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 done a lot of cool stuff and uh, and I I I love this interview I love chatting with you there's a lot of a lot of good stuff and hope you're doing well and yeah next time I get out to Vegas I, I still want to hit you up and, and go on a go on a bicycle ride dude bring your golf clubs but don't bring anything I'll I'll provide the bicycle and the uh, in the clubs bring I'm off like, we'll, we'll oh, we're in yeah, I'm dude, in we there we don't care <laughs> <laughs> dude that's so cool Sammy Corey yes. Seriously, I look forward to crossing paths. Like it's it's gonna happen. Yeah, man, awesome, man. I appreciate it. I appreciate you coming on the show and uh, and just being the guy you are. I appreciate you. Thanks again, dude. I appreciate you guys. The thing is, with the fans, they've created the best life for all of us, and there's really no way to thank them other than what you guys are doing now, telling some funny stories that may, they might not know, and some we can never say, but like that. That like you should always give back. Like, you couldn't, we couldn't have this life without without those people out there riding bikes, cheering us on. It's unbelievable, and you just gotta say thanks. It's it's amazing. Hundred percent, dude. Yeah, hundred percent. Right on, man. You dude. get it. And that's why we appreciate it. Well, guys, have an awesome night. So stoked to talk to you. Relive some memories, things I haven't thought about for about forty years. <laughs> <It's awesome. laughs> we're, we're gonna get you back <laughs> on in the like, future. We're gonna call you back. Okay, I look forward to it. <laughs> All right, man. Right, ben, thanks, buddy. Have a thanks, good one. Thanks a lot, Ben. Thank you. Later. You. Bye-bye. World-class guy, man. World-class guy right there. That was pretty incredible. I didn't think I didn't know it would turn out quite like that. Like I was a little nervous talking to Ben. I was I didn't know what to expect. He he's he's done a lot of cool shit. So I was yeah. uh, I was a little nervous. Dude, he freaking killed it. That was awesome. That was one of the best interviews we've ever done. I tell you what, I, I was really surprised that it, it went the direction it went. And, uh, man, I'm going to listen to this this episode, like, at least three or four times. <laughs> Good stuff, man. So Good funny. stuff. Yeah. Oh, man. I'd like to – he hasn't been to a race in a while. I'd like to get – we need to get him out to a race. I, th- I think – uh, I think 2010 or 11, I, he was the uh, the Grand Marshal at Calistoga, I think. I think I remember seeing huh. him out there. So yeah, his we'll dad to, was well, out. Racing. Well, yeah, his dad was out there, and he's usually at the Sacramento Mile. Dave Bostrom is part of the, the uh, Legends autograph signing, you know. So, uh, man, but I haven't seen Ben in, in, at a race in a long time. So we're going to have to make that a mission to get him uh, get him back at a race. Well, like he mentioned, he's in Las Vegas now, and there's not. I mean, the last time we were there, we I, we had a race there, I guess. I mean, it, whatever that was. We rode but... we rode practice, Corey. We rode practice. Well, that that was 2007. That was uh, that was definitely not not a race, but we did <laughs> no. that little that little indoor short track. I, well, what year oh, was yeah. that? 2015, I guess. So that oh, was. Yeah, that's right. That's kind right. of a race. We we went in a circle. I know that. So. Um, yeah, that was it was a shit show. But no, um, yeah, great to have him on. I know I talked about the beginning of the show. I wanted to talk about just some ideas that I've put together on promoting a race during the pandemic and everything else going on right now. And I wanted to give a shout out to Robbie Bobby. He actually 
it made me think of this, um, doing this, because he did his virtual riders meeting today on Facebook Live for Greenville. I thought that was a great idea, you know, having a virtual riders meeting where you don't have to crowd. You go to a riders meeting anywhere, there's people breathing on you, pushing into you, like, it sucked to be in that that small of an area before everything was was going on, and now it's just like I don't want to be near all those people at a riders meeting when you could clear. And it's all riders meetings; they're never important. Like it's always the same shit. It's always oh yeah, we're gonna do six laps, and you have the same people, the Jared Mises that ask the same dumb questions every freaking riders meeting. It's like it's the same old stuff. So yeah, I think having a virtual riders meeting on Facebook live or, or over the loudspeaker even, you know, at, at the, at the track is definitely better than crowding everybody into, into a little area space or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm with you on that. Yeah. I never, I, I'm the guy that walks away from the riders meeting and go, Hey, what, what they say? How many, yeah. Uh, yeah what? what? <laughs> well, everyone's like, Hey, riders meeting in five minutes. I'm like, ah, I already met all the riders. We're good. So that's, <laughs> that's my dad joke. I pull out every, every, every time someone says that. I'm going to uh, get you a pair of new balance white ones. You know, the, what are they called? Oh, that's, the, that's the, Randy Texter, baby. All, all the way. Yeah. He's yeah. All about the new balances. Um, nah, I'm good, dude. I'm still rocking etnies and vans. So I'm not quite to that level yet, but you're pulling um, the dad jokes though. So you're halfway there. Yeah, I'm getting there, getting there. But uh, the another way too, like the race I went to is uh, the the sign up was horrendous. I mean, there was everybody bar to bar signing up, getting district cards, paying, you know, getting gate fees. I think if the best ideal way to do this would do online sign up, I think that'd be, uh, and it's time efficient too. Like, I feel like most of these races, even before this. The thing that takes the most is sign up. It just takes so long for people to sign up, fill out the stuff, get your transponders. I think doing it online or is you know is a good way to expedite expedite the process. Um, also, you could do it at the gate. You know, when you come in, you pay the pay to get in the gate. Do sign up there. Do it one stop shop, so to speak. Yeah, you know another thing, and and I got I can't take credit for this, but you know I, I'm a I talk on the phone like i should have been a telephone operator i talk on the phone so much but i was talking to tommy mcgrain and he was telling me you know uh and th this could work for everybody because i know a lot of uh, local tracks are just starting to 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 run again and he's like man he goes i'm not waiting in that line down there he goes i called and i got my district cards ahead of time that way i don't have to sit there and fill out the paperwork and you know wait in line and i'm like dude that's pretty smart man and i'm like yeah 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 and then you know somebody else called me up and they're like yeah man you know i'm going down there and the lines are going to be like crazy i'm like well you know and then i pulled the line like i knew what i was talking about i'm like you know uh, why don't you sign up and get your district card before you go down there? And they're like, that's a good idea. <laughs> you know, so, but you know, so if you're, if you're out there, you know, and, and, uh, whatever district you may be racing in, I just had a thought we should talk about what, what the best uh, district is anyway. Uh, district six is pretty hard to beat, man. Uh, <laughs> but we, uh, you know, if you're, if you're out there and, uh, your district, local district's about to fire up some races, man, you might want to get a hold of, uh, you know, whoever you can get a hold of and get your cards ahead of time. Saves a lot of time at the racetrack and, and a lot of that face-to-face -face BS you got to deal with. Yeah. We could get into a whole other topic of, uh, district buying district cards. I, I yeah, <clears throat> we'll save that for another one, but yeah, some more ideas I, I wanted to quick run through is just 
organized practice. You're your promoter. You're putting on the putting on an event. Have everything organized. Practice, line up everything. Make sure you have somebody who knows what they're doing. Experience just. Every, I, it's the worst when you go up to the practice and there's 18 classes all waiting there. It's like, like people just get way too excited. Like I get it. You're stoked. You want to ride, but you're not going out for, you know, your groups 16, they're on group three. Like you don't need to sit up here, crowd up the space. So, um, having people to organize practice, having an organized place for the fans, crew members, families to watch the event, you know, maybe se- separate that a bit. It's just so everybody knows where they can go and watch their, watch their riders. And then um, another one I had, Sammy, was, you know, at the end of the night, you know, getting the payout. That's another another um, part of the part of the program where everybody's crowding to get their trophies and their money. Um, maybe announce on the loudspeaker, oh, we have, you know, the payout available for Open Pro. Please come up or have somebody walking around giving it the payout to the riders. Just making that, you know, more of a organized, simpler way too is something that can help you know, avoid, avoid that whole, that whole deal is the payout. Everyone's, Oh, do you have the 450 pro yet? I got six, you know, it's just like, that gets really unorganized. So trying to make sure you, you take care of that and you're prepared for that. It would be a, um, a good way to save time as well. Yeah. It's just got to get, you know, uh, promoters got to get creative, man, got to get creative and, uh, Got to give some credit to Robbie Bobby. That was a pretty creative uh, little idea he came up with there. So I guess that's uh, what we're all going to have to do. Yeah, and it's you know it, it's not about the virus, whether or not you believe in it or you think you'll get sick. It's just doing the right thing so we can keep putting on events and we can keep putting on races and not get shut down. You know, trying to minimize you know minimize the damage from from what we could possibly do wrong is just. You know, like I said, dotting your I's, crossing your T's, just make sure that we do everything we can so we can keep putting races on because, you know, once the, the once the flat track races have they started back up, I feel like a lot of fans were, uh, every, everything was kind of back to normal, it seemed like. You know, even though every, the rest of the world is chaotic and we won't get into that right now, but when you go to the track, and I've said this my whole life, everything kind of, everything else in the world shuts off and it's it's a place where you can just, race and you don't have to worry about what bills you have at home or who in your family is sick or what kind of chaos is going on and in the world you just get to ride and race and hang out be be around your friends and family so yeah just a couple of those things i think would help and um you know i want to give a shout out to our sponsors that help make this happen again bell power sports check out bellhelmets.com to view their full line of products they do so much for the sport of flat track and and motorcycle racing in general, the quality and safety of their products is unmatched. If you start tank slapping, you want to be protected by Bell. Shout out as well, Moto America. Check them out this weekend, motoamerica.com. Buy that Moto America Live Plus package. It's it's worth the money. It's 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 awesome. So check that check that out as well. Also, big shout out to Fredericktown Yamaha in Frederick, Maryland. FredericktownYamaha.com. Check them out. They're an incredible dealership. They do a lot for the sport as well. They support many riders. They've su- supported Sammy Halbert, Paul Lynch, uh, myself. There's uh, I can't think of them all right now. They've they've done a lot. It's unfortunate that Barbara Fritchie Classic was canceled this year, but if you have any sort of need or you need any kind of Yamaha parts, anything like that, chains, tires, tubes, call Ian Riley at 301-663-8333. Um, appreciate those guys. 
Great show, man. I uh, I don't have too much else really to chat about. I just appreciate all the sponsors, Roof Systems, Dallas, Texas, Jerry Stinchfield. Want to give him a shout out. All the fans for tuning in. Social media, you've been killing it, man. All the all the old school photos and and uh, everybody subscribing. All the reviews on iTunes. It's much appreciated. Yeah, definitely. Uh, we love all the feedback, and, and uh, you know, I'm an old-school guy, so anytime we have a guest on, I'll do my best to keep the old-school pitchers. Corey will keep the current ones, and, and we'll try to bring you the best. Yeah, I also want to thank Greg Pearson. He sent us the complete—it's the uh, complete Grand National Championship book he, he has available, and I got volume two— I think it was last week, the end of last week, is 1970 to 1975. It, there is so much information in that book, photos, extra like results, anything you need to know in flat track from those years, it's covered in that book. And a big shout out to him for, for helping us with that. I was learning stuff. I've, I'm glad I'm reading this book before I take on Dubler and Jeopardy, <laughs> Jeopardy because the 70 to 75 range, like the 70s, I know, like, the general, like, yeah, like, Mert was fast and, you know, Springer and, you know, those guys, whatever. But I don't I don't know too much about that that era, but I'm sure as hell going to study that book. I've, I've gone through it for hours already, and I've, I've learned a hell of a lot of stuff. So shout out to Greg Pearson for that. Yeah, Greg, man, he's a, you know, he's a true historian of the sport and uh, he, he's an integral part of uh, the, the, the fabric of the sport because he keeps a lot of uh, those old race stories alive and he's always writing cool pieces and, um, it, you know, and then he's put out that book, uh, The Complete uh uh, history of the Grand National Circuit. Uh, he's got two volumes, and he's actually working on a. I was talking to him. He's working on a third one, so that'll be a little bit more current, up to date. Um, I, you know, I don't know what years it's going to cover, but both editions are really cool, and uh, yeah, a lot of good stuff, man. And and if you want to, you know, uh, dive into the history of the sport, you pick up one of his books, and uh, you you will be an expert. Yeah, and we're, I guess we should probably figure out where they're available, but Greg Greg's on Facebook, I know that, so you could hit him up and get that information, but I would assume, Sammy, they're Amazon? Is, it, is that where you can get I it's, I guess we should probably well, figure that out. Apologize, yeah, you know, Greg, uh, Greg, Greg uh, as far as I know, you know, I, I guess we should have done our homework on that one, Corey, but... Um, you know, you can uh, you can email or you can PayPal them. They're forty nine ninety nine. That includes shipping, and you could uh, PayPal that to his email, and it's gncbook at aol dot com. I'll repeat that, uh, gncbook at aol dot com. Or you could, uh, if you're old school man and you have a checkbook still, you can send that to Greg Pearson, P.O. Box one nine three. I think it's pronounced, I'll, I'll spell it out, Coloden, West Virginia, that's C-U-L-L-O-D-E-N, West Virginia, 25510 is the zip, but not. Uh, if you want the book, just get a hold of me or Corey through, uh, through Instagram or Facebook, and we'll get you the right information and get you in contact with Greg. Uh, great, great, great volumes, both one and two. Hell yeah. Another show in the books. Appreciate you guys. I can't think really if we got anything else. So we're just going to call it a show because if not, we'll just keep rambling. That, but, that was a pretty good show, though. 
we we love we love talking flat track. We could go on for hours. So you should hear the stuff we talk about before we we go live. Well, that's the good stuff. So um, anyway, thanks again, guys. Peace. See ya.